Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church. If you're watching online, we are preaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. And just as you're settling into 2 Corinthians, we're going to do a little shift into the book of Hebrews, all right? Relax. This is God. So uh, turning your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, the title of this sermon is A Call to Action. A Call to Action. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. Um. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. And so I grew up in Miami, and I loved the ocean. And uh, when I was a little kid, my dad was a swimmer. Uh, and he, he looked, he, my dad was amazing. He just built, man. And just dark, very dark Cuban guy. And he was a swimmer, man. He would dive into those waves. He's like, like, just like a professional swimmer, you know. And as a little kid, I'd stand there, you know, and I'd, you know, I don't know if I want to dive in there. Maybe someday there's a lot of seaweed there. Maybe it's a little cold, which for a South Floridian is if the water gets like anywhere like 82 down, it's cold, you know. And, uh, and, uh, and I'd just stand there, and the, the, the sand would be burning my feet, and I'd just be sweating. I'd be thirsty, and you know, come on, and the waves were just beckoning me to come in. And suddenly, I just something would click in me, man, and that's all right. I'm going, I'd just run as fast as my little legs would go, and I'd jump up in the air, and the waves would hit me, and I'd tumble into the waves, and, and it was glorious. So the waves were inviting me to jump in, to take action, the cool, beautiful waves. And God, this morning, is inviting us through the waves and the beautiful, cool ocean of his grace in Christ Jesus to dive in, to jump in. Many of us are standing on the shore. Our feet are burning in the sand. If you're from South Florida, you know what I mean. We're hot. We're sweating. We're parched. We're weary. I'm speaking if you're not a Christian. This morning, God's inviting you to jump in, dive in to the waves, to the ocean of his grace in Christ. We're going to explain that. And if you are a Christian, you have felt a little bit parched and dry, we, we dive in every day, don't we? We make a choice, make a choice to remember the gospel and dive in. So really, the title of this message is A Call to Action. And the thing that I want to present before you, argue before you, is this on the screen. Christ's sacrifice calls us to action. And, and on the sound, it's still a little bit hot for me. So, so still a little bit hot. Christ's sacrifice calls us to action. Christ's sacrifice calls us to action. And what I want to do is I want to trace for you what the book of Hebrews is doing. Thank you. Um, the, from Hebrews 4.14 all the way to Hebrews 10.18, the author of Hebrews has been giving the Hebrew Christians and us the gospel. And he's been saying that Jesus is a greater high priest. Jesus brings a greater covenant. Forget the old covenant. Don't go back to the old covenant. Jesus gives us a new covenant. Jesus is a great high priest, higher than Aaron and all those priests of the Jewish religion. He's after the order of Melchizedek. No beginning, no end. It's Jesus. And he's been just hammering that. He's preaching the gospel. And now in 1019... He shifts gears, and he's saying, because of the gospel, now do these things. So from 1019 all the way to the end of Hebrews, it's a series of imperatives or commands. Because of Christ and what he's done for you, now do these things. It's a call to action. So we're going to look at two 
phases of this call to action in our sermon this morning. We're going to look first at this gospel, this, this Christ sacrifice for us. And then in point two, we're going to look at the call to action. And he actually gives us three things he calls us to do. All right? You with me? Okay. So Christ calls us to action. So point one, let's take a look at the sacrifice that he made that calls us to action. So Christ's sacrifice in point one. If you're not a Christian, here's the gospel. If you are a Christian, lean forward, perk up, because this is such great news. Such great news. Look at verses 19 through 21 of Hebrews 10. Therefore, you always want to ask yourself, what is that therefore, therefore? Therefore, because of all these chapters, because of the new covenant that he just laid out in chapter 10, verses 1 to 18, especially verses 18, or, uh, 16 to 18, therefore, because that's true, because Christ has cleansed us, because Christ has given us access to God, because Christ is the great high priest interceding for us, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place, by the blood of Jesus. At the end of my sermon, we're going to celebrate communion. We celebrate this because Christ bled and died and was beaten for this new covenant and this access to God. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way, it's Jesus, that he opened for us through the curtain, the curtain that separated the holy of holies, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, verse 22, let us draw near. We're going to stop at 21, but 22, let us. Now this begins these three things. Because we have that, since we have that, let us. But let's talk about what we have in verses 19 to 21. What we have, friends, on the screen is confidence to enter God's presence by the body, by the blood and the body of Christ. Do you see that? Verse 19 again on the screen. Confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Verse 20, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is his flesh. Think about that. Christian, the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus gives you access to God in the holy place. That's true. Oh, man. I heard that in this Miami Grand Prix, that some of the tickets, a lot of the tickets are north of $2,000. Uh, there are places that are beautiful places that we don't have access to. Whatever that is for you. I was going to be a politician before God called me into the ministry. I would have probably been a horrible one, <laughs> apart from Christ. I'd be in jail somewhere right now. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm obsessed with Washington, D.C. I love that city. I, I love what it stands for. And I'd love to get access to the White House. I love reading about what happens in there. I love the Senate. I, I don't even know if they have access yet because of COVID. They shut it all down. Christ gives us access to a much better place, a much more powerful place, a much more powerful person. Whatever you can imagine, we've got access 
We have con- do you have confidence to enter the, God's presence by the blood of Jesus? Or do you let the guilt of your sin keep you away? He's been preaching in these verses before Hebrews 10, 19. The blood of Christ, listen, the blood of bulls and goats doesn't do it. No way. Your own good works don't do it. But the blood of Jesus cleanses your conscience from dead works so you can serve the living God. Do you live in that confidence today? Or do you sh- shrink back from God because of what you did this morning? or last night, or what you didn't do. Oh, brothers and sisters, we have confidence to enter. Not only that, and the reason we have confidence is found in verse 21, because what? Look at it. Put up verse 21 on the screen. And since, and since, since we have this, confidence to enter by the blood and body, and since we have this, we have a great priest over the house of God. This has been his main point all these chapters. Jesus is a greater high priest than Aaron. Stop going back to the law. Stop going back to the old Judaism. Remain in in Christianity. Remain in Christ. But he's not just talking to them. He's talking to you. Do you realize that Jesus is your great high priest? What does a high priest do? He sacrifices. He intercedes. Do you know that Jesus is interceding for you right now? We prayed about it. He knows your name, and he knows what is bothering you. He knows where your heart is broken. He knows everything about you. And he's interceding for you. That is the therefore and the since. And because of that, point two, Christ calls us to action. Christ's call to action on the screen. Christ's call to action. What is this call to action now? What is this now? The book now bursts forward with this gospel action based on gospel truth, gospel indicative. What is true moves us to gospel imperative, what now God calls us to do. We do this because this is true. That's true, so this is what I do. Look at it with me. Verses 22 to 25. Church, God calls us to action. He calls us to walk in the good works that he's prepared beforehand for us. So let's walk, shall we? Verse 22 on the screen. Let us. That word is a key grammatical phrase. Let us. You're going to find it again. Throw up verse 24. Excuse me, verse 22. Let us draw. Throw up verse 23. Let us hold fast and throw up 24 and let us consider. You see that phrase, let us? There's three of them. These these are grammatical phrases that say, all right, this is now what God's calling you to do. So verse 22. How am I doing, Katrina, with the grammar? Don't, Don't answer that. Let us, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith and with hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So he's saying, draw near to me. Draw near to me. At the end of this sermon, we're going to put that into action. We're going to draw near to him as we take communion together. We're going to draw near to him because our hearts have been sprinkled clean. Put that verse up there. Our hearts have been sprinkled clean from what? An evil conscience. And our bodies are washed with pure water. He saves your soul and he saves your body. And you get a new soul. You get not a new soul, but a renewed soul, a new creation. And that's called being converted. And that's beautiful. But one day you're going to get a new body that no longer hurts. That little girl will one day grow old 
trusting that God calls her. She'll get a new body. She got one body from you guys. <laughs> That's great. She's beautiful. But one day she's going to get a new body in Christ. She's a believer. Isn't that amazing? So draw near to him. Draw near to the one who saved you. Draw near to the one who cleansed you. Draw near the, the one who drove the demons of your own evil conscience away from you and all your regrets and all your fear and all your shame. Draw near to him. Second, verse 23, another let us on the screen. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. We just sang a whole song on that. God is faithful. We showed the gospel to you. So, so hold fast to our confession of hope. What is your confession of hope? What is my confession of hope? It is that Christ loves us and saved us and one day will return and share his glory with us. That's our hope. That's our hope. Hold fast that confession. Don't throw it away, Hebrew Christians in the first century, because you're being persecuted for being a Christian. Judaism in that time was an accepted legal religion in Rome. Rome acknowledged Judaism and let them deviate from some of the laws of other Roman citizens because of their their religion. But suddenly Christianity came out from under Judaism. First the Romans thought that Christianity was part of Judaism. When they realized it wasn't, they went after Christianity to crush it, to arrest people, to take their possessions, to not give them good jobs, to not let them come into the best schools, to ostracize them, to laugh at them, to ridicule them, to torture them. And he's saying, and so some of the Hebrews were saying, let's go back to Christianity or Judaism, right? The book's called Hebrews, Flash, Newsbreak. It was written primarily to Jewish Christians who were Hebrew. But it's to all of us. Because today, I, I want to go back to my ways to try to gin up some hope when I see a problem in my family, when I see a problem in the church, when I see a problem in the culture. I want to try to fix it, and I want to try to gin up my own hope, and that is normally going to end in a losing proposition, hopelessness. But if my hope is in Christ, who is faithful to his promise, then that hope remains. So it's a fight. It's a fight. God knows that it's a fight. It's a fight of faith, and it's a fight to hold on to your hope. So my question is, are you hopeless this morning? Are you hopeless? Have you lost hope for whatever? Fill in the blank. Oh, friend, because of all that we've talked about with Jesus, please, let us hold fast to our hope without wavering. And then verse 24. Some have said that verse 24 is the end game of all of Hebrews. Like Hebrews is coming down like just like one of those those race cars in Miami Grand Prix at 200 miles an hour, and it's heading for verse 24. Some have said that, verse 24 and 25. So let's take a look at that one. Verse 24, and let us consider, by the way, this is point, sub point three, um, Sophie, let us stir up. Let's stir some things up. Let's put that up there for a second to stir everybody up. Let us stir. Uh, let us stir up, okay? So we're going to stir up here. We're going to stir some things up here, all right? You got that? Let us stir up. All right, back to the scriptures. Much better than my words. 
Verse 24, and let us consider, that is a super strong word in the original language, consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. We're talking about this men in our men's group. Been talking about it for a couple of months now. We started with theology, the theology of God, the groundwork, and now we're moving into stirring one another up in accountable relationships that are biblical, that are stirring us up, that are equipping us, that are preparing us for the good works that Christ has prepared for us because we are his possession. We're zealous for his good works. So, fourth Friday in May. See you guys there. All right. Where are we? Verse 24. To stir up one another to, stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25. Not neglecting. That's another very strong word in the Greek. Super strong. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging. So you always have these put-offs and put-on. Don't neglect, but encourage. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So he adds emphasis to it because he's reminding them there's a day drawing near when all this will be over. No more pain, no more persecution, no more sin. Christ will come, a new body and everything. But in light of that day, all the more because that day is true, have many days of that. Let me explain. What he's talking about here is gathering together to worship And I believe you can make an application for grow groups. And I believe you can make an application for youth groups. And I believe you can make an application for women's groups. And I believe you can make an application to meeting with Chuck at Starbucks at 530 in the morning, which I do, uh, you know, because he's a Marine and I just don't sleep anymore. Uh, That can can include ladies, you know, when you you go together to go bowling uh, or, or men when you're there. And hopefully you're talking about Christ and not just that, you know, Denise beat everybody in bowling. Or, you know, that, that can include um, on the back porch, talking about Scripture. But I believe the focus is right here. So God wants us to gather together to worship him. And every time we do, it's a mini, mini day of the Lord. It's a mini day in heaven when the saints gather together. It reminds us that there's something special when God's people gather together and stir up one another to love one another and encourage one another. It encourages me. Look, and I know some of the meetings can get a little tumultuous, but ultimately it's encouraging. They're tumultuous because people care, because we're human. We're not in heaven yet, remember? They're a picture of, not a perfect picture of. But, but, but guys, do you see what it's saying? Because Christ died and cleansed your conscience and gives you the promise of a new body and a new, uh, a new everything, some would say this is, the per- this is the end game. This is why the author of Hebrews wrote this, is to say to them, guys, gather together. Gather together to minister at a scarlet hope. Gather together to be trained for Heartbeat of Miami. Gather together to pray for Passion Life. Um, Jeannie's been traveling to Cuba, all over the place, Colombia, doing amazing works. Gather together and encourage one another. How can I encourage you if I never gather with you? And it's strong language here, guys. It's super strong language. Do not neglect. Verse 25, put that up there again. Verse 25, not neglecting. I think that's 25. For some reason, someone is messing up with the letters here. They're all blurry. Not neglecting to meet together. It's it's very strong language. As is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. 
as you, as you study Reformed theology. And, and, you know, just stay late and eat the wonderful food that Claudia makes. I'm gonna sneak, I got to figure out a way to sneak into that meeting somehow. It's the past. Hey, I just want to come here and see how Kevin's doing. I'm just there to eat all the good food is what I'm doing. <laughs> but encourage one another. What he's saying here is it isn't just the pastor that is called to encourage others. What he's saying here is church, you should be committed to encouraging one another. And if you can't make any of those um, uh, uh, opportunities that I just mentioned, fine, I got it. If you can't, fine. You know, you're providentially hindered, but find a way to meet with people and encourage them and make it a priority. Make it a priority to be here on Sunday. There is something special about this reunion. It is a picture of what we will live on in the new heaven and the new earth. Perfectly then. No sound problems, or sound gremlins as Marcos would call them. <laughs> Jesus is with us, personally. This is a picture. We need this. I need this. I need you to encourage me, and you need me to encourage you. And in all those other contexts, do you see that? I believe that's God's will for us, church. I pray that, that God would give you the grace to jump in the ocean of his grace. And that really is the appeal this morning. That you, you would think of this picture of, of this person that is standing on the beach, facing the water, but not going in. And, and, and initially... I feel like one of the applications is to you, unbeliever. You are hot and, and, and parched. Your feet are burning. You see others jumping in, but you just don't know about this Christianity thing. I, I pray and hope that you heard enough about it this morning from what I preached to jump in. And this is how you jump in. You say, Lord, forgive me for my sin. Lord, I profess you, you as my Savior. And I would love to talk to you about it if you do that. God's calling you. Not me, God. It's using my mouth, but God's, God's calling you. But then to the Christian. Um, we're in the ocean of his grace. Then we come out in this hot sand, and we're like building these little shelters to try to keep us from the sun, and they fall down. And, you know, we're just, we're just doing all we can to find happiness and grace and, and peace and, and fulfillment. And we're trying to work our way. And, oh, I can't go in because i got to be a little better. And God's saying, forget that. Jump into the ocean of my grace. <laughs> and so I think that's what he's calling to you. I think for the unbeliever, it's accept the sacrifice of Christ. To the believer, jump in. Jump into his grace. Understand that he has forgiven you. Then forgive someone, whoever you're thinking about right now. Understand that he's given you truth when you lived in lies. So speak the truth with others. Get into these grow groups. Get into, study God's word. Just get together and study God's word. Do a one-on-one, -on -one, three people together, whatever. He's, he's invited you into his presence, into his family. He's adopted you. Invite people into your life. Welcome them in. And Jesus died and commanded us to stand for truth. 
And so for some of you, he's, talking, he's asking you to stand up for truth where you are. I think all of us, God's calling right now to draw near. Draw near to God with full assurance of faith. Holding our confession of hope without wavering as we stir up one another to love and good works, which God has called us. And the, the best way to do that right now is to celebrate communion together. So ushers, would you please come forward? Worship team, I know you're back there somewhere. Come on out. Look, church, this isn't just some ancient custom that we inherited from the church. It is ancient. Okay? You, you could argue that this, what we're doing now, is 3,500 years old. Because on, on the day of the exodus of Israel from mighty Egypt, from slavery to Egypt, which is a picture of slavery to sin, and Pharaoh is a picture of Satan, when God delivered these, these helpless slaves from the most mighty nation in the world, God sent his angel to kill the firstborn. And he told Israel, you slaughter a lamb. You eat that lamb. You take the blood of that lamb and you put it on your doorposts and I will save you. And he did because he's the God who fills his promises. And we know from scripture that Jesus fulfilled that picture. That Jesus is the lamb that his blood saves us. And church, what we're doing today is we're reenacting, we're celebrating this covenant of Christ's blood washing our conscience, Christ's body being broken to save us. We're drawing near. We're jumping into the ocean of his grace, not based on our works, but on his. If you're not a Christian, I would respectfully ask you not to partake in this because it isn't for you. But I pray that as it passes by, it would call you. And if you have made a profession of faith, and you're not part of this church, then by all means, partake. So I'm going to pray. When I do, the ushers are going to serve you. Wait, and we'll all partake together. And while they're serving you, Ben's going to lead the worship team. And if you know the song, sing with it. Uh, a song is called, His Mercy is More. And it speaks of what's happening right now. So let me pray. Lord, I pray that you would please um, save the unsaved, that they would jump into the ocean of your grace, understand and bow their knee to you, and understand your sacrifice for them, and your blood covering their sin, your resurrection, meaning forgiveness of that sin. And you've opened the door and access to God the Father. They are now no longer fatherless, but they are now part of the family. And I pray for that, whether here or online. And for the Christian pray they would bathe in that ocean of grace, leaving the shame of their sins. You say you drop it into an ocean of forgetfulness so deep they'll never find again. And also that, Lord, that as we take this together, there would be a, a, a stirring up of one another to gather and encourage one another and, and love one another, serve one another, and, and proclaim the gospel together. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, would you please serve us? Ben, would you serve?